The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Time. My name's Taylor Payne. We're back after what feels like an absolute age and we haven't podded in 10 days. Lads, how are we doing? How are we feeling? George Corkin, how's it going? It's going very well, yeah. Obviously, it's been a bit of a strange uh, strange few days from a Newcastle perspective, but in terms of the podcast, oh man, yeah. what, a just, what a dream that was last week. I can't believe we, are, we got through it without falling off the stage or tripping over our words or whatever but the it yeah it was brilliant and yeah surprising people with with Alan there and then going out and mingling with people afterwards it was just absolutely brilliant what a what what great fun it was how about you Taylor how are you doing I'm doing well mate I'm doing well I'm still in a bit of a buzz after last week I have to be honest it was it's the thrill of the stage isn't it the grease paint and the lights and all that carry on it's great fun uh Jacob Whitehead's here as well Jacob how are you I am good I'm good I'm similarly still buzzing from that uh really Sounds loved like chatting with everyone afterwards uh, having a drink um and then also finishing my rider finally which was a pack of yorkshire puddings of kindly given to me by gosford civic theater i had the last one yes. as a snack about quarter past 11 last night um <laughs> and so just you know the care which was uh taken over us and how much we're supported by everyone there yeah it was great lovely I bet it didn't take until last night for Chris to finish the sausages that were very kindly left left for him. I'm, I'd be surprised if they lasted for 24 hours. I think they lasted 48 hours. I think we had them on Sunday. So, mm. yes, it did. It okay. did a little bit longer. Yeah, very kindly. Geordie bangers as well, not just any sausages given mm. to me by. So, so they know my favourites also. Uh, but, yeah, it's been... I had... It took me. I've had. I had a mass, that massive adrenaline rush, and I've had sort of the sort of come down over the last ten days. We had to have this break, which was actually longer than the break that Anthony Gordon had between finish uh, winning the Euros uh, under twenty ones with with England, and then coming and playing in pre season for Newcastle United. We needed a longer break to to really re-energize and come back. But if I look back at the live show, there were, there were so many highlights. But I think one of them was was. I don't know if people know, know this. I think George did mention it on the on the podcast that went out that about ten percent of the audience were either my family or my friends. And afterwards, <laughs> uh, I met uh, NUFC threat level who who came up to me and he said, uh, "Chris, yeah, I didn't realise there was going to be a WAF Ultras away section at the back of the of the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I was stuck in the middle of it, and I thought that there was going to be some trouble, but uh, particularly when George started calling me out, but." Well, no, I know, but that 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 bit where I mean, I was I was genuinely I had a slight kind of frisson of trepidation about what I could say about you on stage, Chris, with all your family there. But when then your entire family in unison effectively shouted out, "No, go go ahead, take the piss out of him, please." That was I felt this overwhelming sense of freedom. Um, so that was yeah, that was good. I mean, it does put slightly in perspective, doesn't it? Selling out within six days. I mean, it, it, does it slightly spoil it that most of the audience were, was actually Chris's family? I, I, no. I don't know. I think there's something well, quite Kardashian great. about it. The way that there's kind of a so many of them and b the sort of infighting and the amount which they wanted to see Chris in particular kind of suffer or fall really kind of was yeah. kind of a bit Georgie Shaw esque possibly. It was amazing. I had a good good chat to them afterwards, and I was quite surprised at just how normal all the wafts were. Compared to Chris, <laughs> that was lovely. Yeah, I mean, sort of, sort of vaguely reassuring that they um, they dislike him as much as we do. <laughs> well, they've probably had thirty years of having to deal with these theories. 
and yeah. yet we're probably yeah. only encountering them in, in recent months. Yeah, true. Any highlights for you, Jacob, in particular? Potentially getting getting uh, mullered by Amber Keegan Stobbs, I presume, is one of those. This is not my recollection of it. I think I gave as good as I got. And look what, after our spa, she was not available to play at the weekend. So, you know, clearly it affected her as well. She needed to take a game off after our uh, after our joust. George, how about you? Highlights? Well, just all of it, really. It was just, it was great. I think that moment when we brought Alan from work on, on the stage, and I, I think my thought about that was that people would have been half expecting it to happen, but there was a sort of genuine uh, intake of breath when he came came on, obviously a massive, massive round of applause. And yeah, the way he absolutely ripped into Chris at, at every available opportunity was very very pleasing to me on a personal level. And that was my personal highlight was the exasperation at which he uh, announced Chris's paternity leave, uh, the length of Chris's paternity leave, six months. It's just absolutely superb. Uh, one of the highlights, definitely, of the live show was arguably the appearance of Becky Langley and Amber Keegan Stobbs, and the uh, the lasses had a huge game on Sunday, didn't they, George? They did, yeah. I mean, and I chatted both to, to Amber, who sadly was injured for that match, and uh, and Becky as well, and they were both uh, they were both very very pleased to be there at the live show, and it was yeah just so great to, great to involve them, and um, hopefully do lots more of that. Yeah, it was a massive game against Burnley. Newcastle had a hundred percent record going into. At Burnley, though, were top of the table, and honestly, if that's the best that uh, Burnley have to offer, it's uh, it's good news for the rest of the season, I think, because on that evidence, um, Newcastle just completely out outplayed them. Very disappointing in those circumstances not to win. Newcastle dominated possession; they had so many chances. Um, Alicia Body was superb for Newcastle. It was just that. It was just the final ball. It was just the shot. It was Burnley getting everybody in front of the ball. And yeah, Bridget Galloway missed a, missed a penalty. Um, uh, not a good penalty, it must be said. But pretty much everything else about about the about the match was very very positive, and uh, that was a point that I made to to Becky afterwards. So have a listen. So I think if I take a noise away from today, it's going to be the sound of balls hitting into Burnley players because it just seems like it was shot after shot after shot, chance after chance after chance. How did it? How did it feel from your perspective? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know the Burnley players were putting their bodies on the line to to stop any any attacks we had, and you know Kirsty Lavelle, who's in goal for Burnley today, pulled off some fantastic saves. I think there was three or four from Alicia and Georgia Gibson in the first half. She's pulled off some excellent saves. So. We're disappointed not to have scored. You know, we're happy with the clean sheet. It, it was a well-fought-out contest. Both sides played well, but, yeah, I think we had more possession. We dominated the ball, especially in that first half, and I think we're disappointed we didn't punish Burnley in the first half. Yeah, you did dominate. I mean, you, can't be, you can't be angry or upset after a performance like that, can you? Do you know, naturally we're disappointed because we want to come away with three points, but I think ultimately, you know, what we asked of the players, they delivered. We asked them to control, control the game. We asked them to um, dominate moments when we lose the ball, and, and we did that. It's just that last little bit in the final third that we haven't delivered on. Yeah, penalty obviously. So, so did have a chance to to kind of do that. That must be frustrating. Casey did really well to get on the outside of the fullback and drive inside, and then and then the foul in the box, and it's a great chance. But unfortunately, these things happen. Maybe a little lack of concentration or disruption from the Burnley players in the round, Bridget. But 
you know, there'll be no one who's more disappointed than Bridget. Um, she loves scoring goals. She wants to score as many as she can. She wants to be the top goal scorer in this league. Um, but ultimately, these things happen. We wanted to protect her and give her the chance in the second half to, to go out and put that right. But it just wouldn't drop. So it's one of those games that's frustrating. But on the whole, yeah, we're, we're happy with the performance. And take a step back. Still unbeaten. That's really important. It's been a great start to the season. Yeah, still unbeaten. That's our fourth clean sheet in the league, which is important. Um, and yeah, that's both teams are unbeaten in the league. So we just need to ensure that you know we're we're making sure we're, we're capitalising on the next game we have, um, the games in hand we have. And I think yeah, Burnley. You know they've they've drawn two games now. That's four points lost for them. I and mean, we've just got to make sure we we put that right against Huddersfield next week. And then finally, just reflecting on obviously the most important part of the week, which was the Pot on the Time live show. I mean, none for this football nonsense. Did you enjoy it? I mean, thanks very much for coming. You were absolutely the stars of the show, but did you uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, the Pot on the Time live was absolutely brilliant. I think myself and Amber really, really enjoyed it. It was was really nice to kind of reflect on how far Newcastle have come as a football club um, under the new ownership and obviously it was fantastic to hear from Alan Shearer as well um, some of his little stories that he told were, were absolutely brilliant and yeah it was really lovely to be invited along and me and Amber really enjoyed sharing our stories of, of Amber signing and, and Alan Shearer teeing her up to come and join the club so quite a good story with the three of us in one room. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. So on the night of our live show, it became apparent that two Premier League players were implicated in the betting scandal, which has developed since Juventus player Nicolo Fagioli came forward in August. Uh, the first being Aston Villa's Nicolo Zaniolo, and much more importantly for us, Sandro Tonali. Reports in Italy say Tonali told Hearing he made illegal bets on football matches, including betting on Milan to win while playing for the club. Now, there's an awful lot of questions flying around about this, but the most pertinent to us uh, as Newcastle fans uh, seems to be that a ban for Tonali seems almost inevitable. So how long might we expect that to be, Jacob? I do think it's kind of crazy how quickly this whole situation has developed. Like you said, a week ago was when kind of the wider public first became known of Tonali's involvement. Um, it came as a complete surprise to to pretty much everyone involved. And it is concerning. I mean, there's new stuff emerging every day. Newcastle are expecting him to receive a kind of lengthy ban, and that can be seen by the precedent, which has already been set. So Fagioli's sentence was confirmed yesterday. He's got a seven-month ban with a further five months kind of suspended with community service and therapy. And a fine is also included. That, in a way, can be thought of as a benchmark, with Tonali's likely to be longer. Fagioli almost had every piece of mitigation going. He turned himself into prosecutors. He assisted their case from very early in the process. Like Tonali, he has talked about having a gambling-related illness. All of those factors influence the length of his with Tonali, so he's broken Article 24 of the Sporting Code, that starts with a three-year ban. Now, if you cooperate with prosecutors, 
which we've seen him doing, flying out to Turin, then that can be halved and then there's further mitigation in play. It should also be stressed that, you know, there's loads of reports out in Italy, but we don't yet know exactly what it is that he's been accused of, whether it is of betting on his own team, of its matches which he involves in, the extent of it or the amount of money, and it'd be unwise to speculate on that, but all of those are other factors which influence the potential length of a ban. But the kind of general expectation is that it could well be around a year. And George, however long that ban is, uh, Sandro Tonali will still be a Newcastle player at the end of it, won't he? Oh yeah, I mean the 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 first thought, the only thought at this stage from from Newcastle's perspective is how to support Tonali and his family. We have to remember that there's a human being involved in in this, and someone who you know, someone whose agent has admitted he has a. Uh, an addiction and that you know that addiction is an illness I've got personal experience of that with a friend of mine who who suffered from it it's not something to make light of it's a very serious thing and Newcastle said in their statement that they're supporting him and they're saying absolutely the same thing in private to that their first and only thought at this stage is is how to support Sandro and how to guide him guide him through this it's obviously a huge blow for everybody concerned, but yeah, we have to remember there's a human being involved in it. Absolutely, and uh, Tonali's agent, Beppe Riso, uh, had this to say as well. Sandro is a bit shaken up by the situation, but he's already started to fight back. The biggest game has started against an illness. Uh, I'd like to thank Newcastle. They have always been by Sandro's side. He is training and could play on Saturday. He's realised he has to face up to this problem. The club is absolutely by his side. So firstly on that, Jacob, will he play in this immediate period, do you think? He is eligible to play, so I double-checked this with the FA yesterday and it's basically a case of innocence until proven guilty, until any sentence is passed down and that sentence, you know, whatever's decided by the Italian FA, would then become worldwide under the jurisdiction of FIFA and UEFA. But until that is officially done or a plea deal is reached, then he is available to play. I guess whether he will is an entirely different matter. We should get some clarity, possibly, from Eddie Howe on Friday because you've got all these competing things. Does he just want, you know, is, is the pitch a place where you can forget about it or is it just simply not in the right place to play? I mean, he was sent home from Italy camp uh, during the international period because Luciano Spalletti didn't think that uh, either him or Nicolo Zaniolo were in the right space mentally to play, but he is eligible. So Tonali could potentially play Chris, but mentally he might not be in the right place to actually play. Uh, lots of speculation that he could return back to Italy and that might help him, but could Newcastle actually be a good place for him to try and sort this out? I mean, I'm reluctant to go too far ahead until we actually know what the situation is and, and when the ban will be applied. It could be soon, but equally it could. T- I think they've got up to 60 days as, as the as the prosecutor's office in, uh, in, in Turin to, to get this through. So it could be something like December before we find out all other suggestions. It could be as soon as next week. I mean, I think the difficult issue would be what exactly that applies from the ban because when you see Ivan Tony's ban at Brentford until last month he wasn't allowed to even go into the training ground so if you're Sandro Tonali do you stay around Tyneside the, the one reason you've really come here is to play football uh, but you can't actually play football you can't even go and join your teammates at the training ground would that be the best place for him would Italy be the best place for him given all the likelihood that there'll be speculation around him probably people wanting to, to find out what he's doing what he's up to I think it's a difficult situation until we know 
exactly what's going on. I, I think obviously Newcastle, I think well, they suggested they're going to offer him whatever support is necessary, and it may be the case that he sort of splits his time between the two or, or goes elsewhere. He's got to keep himself physically fit as much as anything else during whatever ban we expect him to get, however long that takes. He, he needs to be ready to come back physically as soon as he possibly can, as well as mentally. And Newcastle's emphasis on psychology was reinforced this week with the acquisition of Dr Ian Mitchell from the FAW and he'll take up a post in late November. George, you wrote about this last month, didn't you? Yes, I did. I didn't write about uh, Dr Ian Mitchell specifically because I didn't have a name at that point, but looking into uh, looking into what Newcastle were looking to do this season, I do think it's fascinating. So this is talking about it very generally. Whether he has a role with Tonali or not, I don't know at this stage. I think this is a very, very interesting and high-profile appointment. He has joined from uh, the Welsh FA, but before then he was at England for five years, was a key part of Gareth Southgate's backroom team over a couple of tournaments, and is talked up as being sort of integral to the, not only to the sort of team spirit that England had, but also sort of encouraging players to come forward and share their stories and um, also sort of easing the burden a bit of the England shirt on people's shoulders. It's seen as important this season in particular with Newcastle, with them balancing their first Champions League campaign with all these other tournaments. And prior to prior to working with the Welsh team, he was he had an involvement with the Welsh team under Chris Coleman, which got to the semi-finals of Euro 2016. So this is a big appointment. It's a high-profile appointment, and it's something that um, you know a lot of clubs look at now but you you really couldn't get a more hope, high profile addition to the backroom team in this area than than Ian Mitchell so I think it's a really forward thinking role and yeah very interesting. I remember speaking to Dan Ashworth last October as well about a year ago and at that point he was talking about he, he was doing his thing about he's a spokes at the centre of the wheel and one of the things he was talking about was psychology and that that was a big thing that, that he really hadn't covered too much before but going forward was going to be uh, part of the of, of his area sphere of influence and so I know he's been heavily involved in this and it is something that Newcastle have been looking at from the very top of the, of the sort of sporting level of the outfit. Yeah, there'll be plenty more on this uh, psychological element of the team in future podcasts, I'm sure. But Chris, getting back to that Sandro Tonali situation, what impact will it have on the team, on the squad? When he was signed, he was very much viewed as a key part of our sort of tactical progression this season, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, Jacob referenced how quickly this story has progressed. And I think even as soon as the start of this week, I'm not sure the potential severity of the situation had quite um, really dawned on a lot of Newcastle fans, I think, because then it was still, I mean, still a developing story, but at that stage it was it was unclear exactly uh, how much Tenali was or was not going to be implicated within this, but he was saying like he was really, the, he's the, the only player you look at and think he came in and you could say, you could argue improved the first 11, certainly he's been more regularly in the first 11 than he hasn't been, he was uh, £55 million initial outlay someone who a lot of clubs across Europe were looking at and given Newcastle's creative reliance in midfield on Bruno Gimaraes, she was seen as someone who could potentially complement him in a sort of fluid way of, of, of they'd switch and this number six, number eight role, each of them would sort of adopt it as, as well as with the, the, the other number eight in the side or that he could potentially replace Bruno Gimaraes in some games as a number six or Sean Longstaff could drop there and basically to give Newcastle Champions League experience as well as 
greater options within midfield. So it, it is a significant blow. I mean, Elliot Anderson's emergence so far this season in terms of really starting to begin matches and, and play well, I think that is that is a cause for optimism, as is Lewis Miley, someone like that coming through. Uh, Lewis Hall can play in midfield as well. But Sandro Tonali was the big summer signing. He was the player who was going to help Newcastle elevate and progress this season. And it may have taken him a bit of time to adapt to the team, but this can only be seen as, as anything but a significant blow to Eddie Howe and his options in midfield. We've talked a bit about the pressures of FFP as well, George, and some expensive football has been linked with us in January already. And another announcement of Saudi as our new airline partner in a multi-year deal. It's going to ease that pressure a little bit, isn't it? But are we? do we know what Newcastle are planning to do where that's concerned? Well, I mean, on that, Newcastle are very much saying this is this is way too early to even to even be having that kind of conversation in terms of Tonali. They just need to see how how the next kind of few days play out, and then and then pick up the pieces from there. So it's not like they've already lurched into action in terms of signing replacements or anything like that. Yes, we we have talked a lot about the pressure of of uh, financial fair play. We do know that um, that they've kind of pushed themselves to the limit on 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 all of that, and you know they'll continue to they'll continue to do that. But it's also been part of their strategy to strengthen every window if possible. So that won't have changed. They also do have have loan slots still available in the squad. In terms of Saudi, yes, of course that process will continue as well, bringing in more sponsors and commercial partners. But yeah, in, in specifically in, t- in terms of Tonali, they haven't started developing a strategy yet because they just don't know what they're dealing with yet. As Chris said, it is a massive blow. Tonali does look like a really, really gifted player. Yes, he's 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 taken a while to to settle into the team, but there's been some flashes of of, of brilliance. It's a very sad story from from his perspective. It's sad for all of us who um, who wanted to see him progress as a footballer. There is the mitigation, as Chris said, of those of uh, of the other players who've who've emerged over the past kind of couple of months. Also, you know, there's Joe Willock to come back into the equation. That's that's a bit that's a big boost too. But yeah, people just need to see what happens in the next kind of few days first, and then pick up the pieces. Yes, absolutely. And it really is worth getting the load down on this story on The Athletic. Jacob's put together a terrific summary of the facts and answered all the key questions so far. Uh, and as this story develops at a frantic pace, that's probably the best place uh, to get the most reliable information. So subscribe to The Athletic via theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pay just £199, dollars or euros, depending on where you are. And that's per month for the first 12 months. We'll be back in just a moment. So it'll be blessed relief to have a game of football to shout about and Crystal Palace come to St James's Park for a 3pm Saturday showdown. Uh, a fixture usually devoid of goals and excitement. Indeed, the last three meetings have finished nil-nil. So it might be worth bringing a good book, Chris. Huh? What do you reckon? Yes, I mean, last season, yeah, across 270 minutes of football, there, there, there weren't any goals because Newcastle also met them in the EFL Cup and although they did Newcastle did win that on penalties they did. Uh, despite uh, Bruno Gimaraes' attempts yeah that, that, that ridiculous run up um, but 
this this fixture doesn't often throw up or hasn't in recent years thrown up many goals. I have just looked before and of three of the last 14 meetings between them uh, have, have seen both sides score. So more often than not, it's either nil-nil or one-nil to, to, to one of the, the sides. I mean, Newcastle really, certainly at home, could have felt very hard done by in the Premier League last season against uh, Crystal Palace. That was the, the Joe Willock disallowed goal. Still upset about that. Now, we don't necessarily need to go back in internet. Still upset. I bet you are. I bet you are. Yeah, the, the whole, he was pushed, pushed in, 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 I think it was Tarek Mitchell, and then he caught the goalkeeper Gaeta, and that was that was why the goal was disallowed. And then subsequently, Premier League referee and officials came out and said that the goal shouldn't have been disallowed, I believe. So that was, mm. that was, that was real cause for frustration for Newcastle United at that time. But really, Newcastle beyond that goal they struggle to break down Palace and that's something they've struggled to do over the last sort of 18 months two years and I think that's going to be the big challenge is where and how Newcastle do that because Palace will I'm almost certain come sit back and try and counter-attack and Newcastle have to have a way to break down that stubborn defence doesn't sound like you're dwelling on that goal at all Chris just you know never out of your mind well you know it was I mean the the PGMOL came out. I mean, we're still talking about that bloody VAR thing from Liverpool a few weeks ago. So, you know, but nobody talks about this incident anymore. Jacob, you don't understand, man. You don't understand, Jacob. Hell hath no fury like a Geordie scorned. You should know this already. Come on. Uh, George, you mentioned uh, Joe Willock probably coming back in at the fold very soon. Him and Joe Linton as well, everyone's favourite shithousing Brazilian. Uh, returns for those two, definitely more than welcome, aren't they? Yeah, and in terms of breaking in terms of breaking Palace down, of course, Anthony Gordon comes comes back into it after his yes. suspension. As as Chris said earlier, he's luxuriated in uh, in a few days off more than he's had for a long time. So and and you know he's he's arguably been Newcastle's most important player this season up there with with Trippier, I would say. So that's that's good news. And you know Newcastle are in a brilliant run of form at the moment. So. No reason to think that, that that can't continue, even if it is traditionally been a bit of a sticky fixture. Potentially, Jacob, as well, everybody's favourite Cape Crusader at the back, it's na 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 Botman, could return as well, couldn't he? He could, he could. And he is just so steady. Um, he is posting some pictures on Instagram, sort of saying, you know, back better than ever this week. So whether he will recover or not, it could be a bit of a race because it sort of was a bit of a, a difficult, niggly injury to his knee. But that said, I mean, we've seen how well that Jamal LaSalle has stepped up. I mean, who would have thought that two years ago, Jamal LaSalle would be able to keep Kylian Mbappe quiet? Um, Absolutely. I guess it's important at this stage of the season to make sure you aren't rushing Botman back, especially with a November schedule. Newcastle have ahead of them, and it may be one, if it is kind of touch and go, where you imagine that the coaching staff would err on the side of caution. Absolutely. And Chris, Callum Wilson, those training photos they released last week got everybody a bit hot under the collar, didn't they? And his little, uh, what was it, little sports bra, boob tube type of thing that he was wearing? My word. Good Lord. I had to demist the screen of my phone looking at those. It was impressive. Sports bra, is that what, is that what, is that what you call it? Like I a GPS? Know. I a don't GPS know what it is. Is that what it is? A GPS? <laughs> I, I believe yeah. it's I a GPS tracker, or tra- at least a tracking uh, some sort of uh, key information. But yeah, Callum Wilson came on, as Eddie Howe said, basically it was an emergency situation when he came on towards the end of the match at, at, uh, in, in, in East London against uh, West Ham. But that was also because Alexander Isak pulled out and it came off, had to come off, and he pulled out of the, the Sweden squad. Now that seems yeah. to hopefully be more precautionary than anything else. But again, he, that, that fit, fitness concern of who, who necessarily starts. And I think, again, as we maybe saw... For the uh, AC Milan away game in the Champions League that week, 
Alexander Isak basically was the one who Howe wanted to start at San Siro, and so Callum Wilson started either side of that. Is it going to be similar to that? If Callum Wilson's fit, will he start in the Premier League? And will it be that uh, against his former club, Borussia Dortmund, Alexander Isak starts in midweek, or can one of them start two in a row? That, I think, very much comes into the factor of, of what Eddie Howe has to decide who is going to lead the line this weekend. And Wilson's a big miss, isn't he, George? Even when he's not sort of around, we know that he scores goals. We know he's dangerous. Uh, and when he's not playing, he's a massive miss for the team. Yeah, and just having those just having those options. I mean, the two of them are in great form. If you look at their goal-scoring records now, they're brilliant. It does really feel like they're pushing each other on, him and him and Isak. So great to have him back. And this, you know, this this could well be the kind of fixture that uh, that Wilson gets and uh, end of words I, I just couldn't think of anything else to say there Taylor anymore you just ran out of words I just ran out of words yeah football 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 Callum Wilson goals football got no more words to say got no more words to give words don't do come you, easy to me do you want to try and give us a, a little sentence to round that a point off or? absolutely not no absolutely not I've, I've said what I've said I'm going to stick with that we not get this with the AI. No, just just stick with what I said. I stand by every single. AI, I stand by every single splutter of that. <laughs> Good, excellent, Chris. Apparently, it's called wearable tech. That's what that's what producer Ollie says. Wearable tech, not a sports bra or a boob tube. <laughs> You're the one who said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> no, but you said you weren't sure what it was, and I'm just saying it's called wearable right. tech. Apparently, there's a great uh, article on the Athletic by Mark Carey about that sort of thing. If you're interested in that, which I imagine you are. Well, it seems you're very interested in it. So if you want to go and look at other pictures of... of, of, of yes, exactly. I mean, if Callum Wilson's wearing it, I'm interested. Yeah, definitely. The, the the reason my sentence tailed off like so badly was I was just thinking about Callum Wilson in a sports bra. So that is your fault, Taylor. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'll give you that. I also have to mention as well, there was a really good video released this week featuring Fabian Scher doing the Index Card Challenge on the on the club's website. Yes. And his Swiss Geordie accent is something to behold, isn't it? It is absolutely beautiful. How are the lads? How are you? <laughs> Marvellous stuff. Uh, right, Jacob, um, let's get back to football because we've got a bit off track here. But, uh, Palace's game is definitely built around uh, solid defence, isn't it? Margay's uh, uh, an in-demand centre-back, possibly even by us. And Newcastle already had a look at... Uh, how do we pronounce that? Joachim? Joachim? How am I pronouncing that? Joachim. 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 Nobody knows. No one's, no one's getting that. Anderson. Right. Anderson. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Uh, so Mark Gay is uh, an in-demand centre-back, possibly even by Newcastle. Uh, and we also had a look at the other fellow as well, Anderson, on the other side in the summer, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And, I mean, that's... Oh, God, yeah, I said we. we. Yeah, we did. <laughs> oh, Come on. I was basically imitating Taylor. Yes. I was filling in. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, we've got him now, we've got lads. Him. That's Finally, it. we've got him. That has to be clipped up. We've got him. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Just repeat that. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. It is a royal we. A royal we for what? (laughs) Sort of collective Newcastle kind of watchers. We. Those interested in in the the path of the team. We had a look at him. Did we have a look at him? Yeah, we did. Got him. Nailed him. Nailed him. Absolutely nailed him. I'm going to go back and I'm going to do that point again, Jacob. Okay, now try and hold yourself together. Right. Why are we going back to do it? We don't need to go back to do it. We've nailed Jacob on the record, so because <laughs> it's still a good point and it needs done. Don't go. We're not going back on that. That's no. that's there for all eternity. We, yeah, we did. So getting back on track, Jacob, to the actual answer to that question, 
defensive solidity for Palace? I can't focus. I feel like I'd be terrible at Prime Minister's questions. I'd say one thing wrong and I'd just instantly lose it. Um, just answer the question, Jacob. Just answer the bloody question. Yes, they're both good centre-backs. They're, they're very nice passes. They build up from the back and I'm confused about why it's always nil-nil because in some ways, I mean, they're quite similar sides of sort of wingers who like to cut in and dribble, like to build from defence and a couple of people who snap your legs off in midfield. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah uh, I don't have anything else to really add on Mark Gahey. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll add in the sense that... Uh, you know, we know that that was a position that Newcastle were looking to strengthen in the summer, and in the end, they didn't. And you know, the wisdom or otherwise of 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 what they did do in terms of getting the two young fullbacks can still be debated. I would just say that Fabian Cher has been absolutely brilliant so far this season. He's been he's been really excellent, and um, it has been so heartening to see. Jamal Lascelles come into the team too, as as was mentioned earlier. So those players have really have really stepped up, which is um, it's by the by possibly, but is definitely worth uh, is definitely worth reinforcing. And Chris Nick Port might like to get one over on the Palace goalkeeper as well. Sam Johnson's uh, one of three keepers in recent England squads and the Premier League's clean sheet leader. We all know how much you love international football, so I've come to you with this. Yeah, very very odd decision on your part. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't watch Sam Johnson every week, but in terms of, and, and I suppose I'm biased in the sense that the majority of football I do see is, is of Newcastle United and Nick Pope, but I think the Nick Pope is a better goalkeeper than Sam Johnson. I think he probably can feel a bit I think so. uh, unfortunate yeah. for that he hasn't been in, in recent squads. Now, he did pull out towards the end last season so that he could have surgery on his on his finger, which kept dislocating. And also, um, I think maybe that, that in that sense, he's, he, he's maybe didn't isn't in Gareth Southgate's... Uh, I'll say that again. Gareth Southgate. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Southgate. Blech. Gareth Southgate. In, in, we're, all, we're all having one here. In Gareth, Gareth Southgate. Southgate. <laughs> in Gareth Southgate's good books at the moment. But um, as for how Sam Johnson may or may have not played for England, I have no idea because I haven't seen him play. I'm glad he didn't come to me on Mark A. He actually because I thought you were going to say, how did he play for England as well? And obviously I didn't watch that game last week, so I have no idea. Although he has been playing very well for Palace, who so I have seen a bit of this season. So. He was all right for England, actually. He was pretty good. I, I enjoyed him. Right, so I've got I've got a follow-up question for Chris. What Remind us again why you don't like international football, why you don't like watching England play international football. I don't like, well, it's, it's more, I don't, it's beyond England, really. I mean, I wouldn't watch, particularly, I'd watch major tournaments, but with no interest in England, but I wouldn't watch international football outside of major tournaments, unless it was like on and someone else was watching it. Why? I don't know, I just don't feel that sort of, I suppose, in a weird sort of way, despite being someone who, who loves football and has been immersed in it, I imagine it's how someone who doesn't like football feels when someone else talks about football. I have that same reaction to international football. It doesn't feel to me like it's the pinnacle. It doesn't feel to me like it's it's anything particularly special. I don't know. I've just, I just don't have that connection with it. I don't have the interest. I don't have the connection. And, it, and no matter how hard I try, it's just not there. And yet you do watch England play rugby. So explain yeah, that. You because I have but, because because I have that. I mean, actually, with the current team, I would quite. I, would, I don't really want England to win the World Cup. But that's a that's a slightly different issue. I, I don't. I I feel a connection so with that confusing. side. I feel a connection with the cricket side. I can't explain it, and I can't pretend that it makes any sort of logical sense because it doesn't. But that's just. I can't feign something which isn't there, and I do, I, I just would rather yeah. spend my time doing something I don't else. Know what you mean. In rugby and cricket, though, international sport is the pinnacle. Yeah, in I terms think that's of part quality, of the issue. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in football, it isn't. Yeah. I always found it quite interesting that one week you'd be standing, sort of slagging off and shouting abuse at one player, and then the next week he's playing for England and you're clapping him on the pitch and you think he's the best thing since sliced bread. It was always a bit strange to me, though. 
I would just like to say that this has been what I would call a breakthrough pod because not only have we got Jacob to say, yes, we did on the record, we've also just got Chris to say it doesn't make a lot of logical sense when talking about one of his own stupid opinions. <laughs> so I feel like we've, uh, we've, we've talked about a psychologist coming into Newcastle early in the programme. So just on that theme, I do feel like we've made some progress in this week's show and I just think honesty is always the best policy like this so let's just carry it on and and you know yeah well done everyone well done well, I, f- I feel I had to after just being absolutely destroyed repeatedly by Alan Shearer doing the live show last week so yeah that was absolutely the highlight absolutely the highlight right then just a couple of more little tidbits before we uh, finish off for the day uh, congratulations to Garan Kual who won the Eredivisie goal of the month for September for a curled effort at Fortuna Sittard, his first strike for Volendam. Uh, the Eredivisie suddenly offering great interest to Newcastle fans, Jacob, isn't it? You've got Yakuba Minto over there as well, banging them in weekly. It's, it's not a bad watch, that. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a good league. It's pretty competitive. I mean, you can see Ajax are right down at the bottom this year. So, I mean, Brilliant, Chris it? might care about this because, you know, Dutch football probably matters more to him than international football. But, yeah, all pretty equitable. Part of the reason why they wanted to send... Uh, Cool and Minter there is because it is a decent imitation stylistically um, of the Premier League and also Volendam specifically for Cool is made up of lots of very young players they've got a record of playing youngsters I think they had a record for sort of last season they had the most teenagers in their squads um, amongst the top five European leagues and the Eredivisie which is you know a very famous measure which is always used in statistics um and yeah, I mean, and he's doing well. Volendam might not be at the top of the league, but he's getting minutes, and that's more than can be said for his time at Hearts. Good stuff. It'll be interesting to see if those lads can come back and, and, and join in the first team next season or if they'll go back out on loan again. You never know, do you? So we also had a little bit of news through about Northumbria Police and Newcastle City Council's licensing authorities. Uh, they withdrew their objections to the fan park, so it looks like it's full steaming ahead uh, on that, George, doesn't it? I see what you've done there. Not just full steam ahead, but full steaming ahead. Like that. Thereby yeah. implying that people going there might have the odd beverage. Yeah, one or five. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it should be good, that. It should be good to have the uh, the old stack at the foot of St. James's Park. It'll be a good place for people to uh, congregate before the game. Yeah, no, that is um, that is very good news. Funnily enough, I've just been told what the actual definition of steaming is, and it's so fucking boring that I'm not going to bother uh, going to bother telling you what it is. But um, not that people need an excuse to come into Newcastle City Centre uh, ahead of match day. But I think that I think the theory with this is that the uh, that will spiral out into the city centre. So yeah, it's 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 good news. Looking forward to experiencing it. Absolutely. Right then, chaps, I think that's about it. I think, uh, if, unless there's any more for any more? No, it's been a bit of a heavy one, this, hasn't it? I think everyone's still digesting what is what is going on. And, I mean, we'll, it's still a developing story, this the Sandro Tonali story, and it really, this, this international break in that sense, after the positivity of the, the time between the two international breaks, this international break already feels uh, like it'll be quite potentially damaging to Newcastle United this season and it's how they react and recover from this uh, and obviously we, we do wish Sandro Tonali uh, all the best in his recovery his agent has come out and said how he is and so we hopefully he is able to come over what he describes as this illness and that he comes back stronger from it yes absolutely can't help but echo that so check us out on Twitter we're pretty easy to find at pod on the time or email us at pod on the time at theathletic.com right thank you very much for your time George yeah you're very welcome 
Thanks a lot, Jacob. Thank you, and apologies for misspeaking earlier in the show. You didn't misspeak. You said exactly what you meant to say. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And thank you as well, dear boy, Chris Woff, for your time. You're very welcome, and I think that George acknowledging that that none of my theories make any logical sense was sort of him signalling that I'm allowed to use as many of them as possible going forward as well. So Absolutely. That, that's how I heard it, anyway. Yeah. Definitely. Right, thanks very much. Uh, that's it from everybody at Pod on the Tyne. Enjoy your weekend, look after yourselves, and we shall speak to you very soon. Goodbye. Athletic.